0: To the Exhaust Notes Podcast. What is good, everyone? Welcome to the Exhaust Notes Podcast. We're here to talk some Formula One randomness. We always do that. And if you uh were one of the zero lucky people to listen to our pre-show today, you missed out on some uh just inappropriate conversation. We'll just leave it at that. But how are you guys doing? Row it, Todd. Good to see you. I can tell that joke again if you guys want. Could yeah, get cancelled for um, that no, one. no, no, no. That,
1: that that was a test, and both of you passed. So thank God for that, because common sense and decency will always win out
2: when it comes to the Exhaust Notes podcast. Codsworth, how are you? I'm good. I'm here to chat some rubbish, as the kids say. And as the kids say, the bans is going to be top bins, mate. You do a much better. I didn't even attempt a British accent. That That's was okay. pretty good. Yeah.
1: Every now and then, blind squirrel, nut.
0: Yep. <laughs> I mean, so let's just uh, start out with the uh, the elephant in the room when it comes to the podcast itself. We're trying to get some more reviews. So why don't you give Roet a rating on his British accent in your next review over there on iTunes or Amazon Overcast, Music. Amazon Prime.
1: And put it this way, if we get a thousand reviews by next episode, I will tell that joke and I will tell it in... Aristocats uh, it's uh, Aristocats holy crap Disney's gonna come after me everybody knows the (laughs) aristocrats joke well think about it it's in that genre so if we get a thousand reviews by the time you hear our dulcet dulcet tones again I will tell the joke and I will pretend to be one Michael Guillory and you can find me at Mad. No, I'm not going to do that because he's a good standing man of faith. And that would be the ultimate you. And I would never do that to Michael. But, hey, we need to incentivize something because, like Nick says, we need the reviews. That's how we get a bigger audience. So, please, anything you want to comment on when it comes to Formula One, the three of us, a combination, maybe you want to write some fanfic. Please do that under the guise of a review because it can only help us out.
2: If we get one review, I nope. will attempt British Accent oh. next week next, next podcast just one just one but though? if we get a thousand then you can get cancelled if, if
1: we get a thousand I will tell that joke in a British accent and I've done this before when I was doing uh, my college radio station uh, thing I once did an entire show in a Bostonian accent it was Sully and Murph Surf and Turf and whatever was happening in mid-Missouri was done with a Bostonian accent so challenge me listener because i need this i need to break
0: (laughs) out of this creative rut (laughs) (laughs) oh man so i do want to read a review because i i we do this on the sneaker history podcast it's always fun to kind of just hear what people are saying so know that if you do leave us a review assuming you're not going to tell inappropriate jokes we will probably read it at some point but we've got some to get through and i'm just going to start from the very beginning because we started this podcast over a year ago now, right? hmm So uh this one was from random MR2 guy. Appreciate the fans' experience. I love listening to these guys talk about racing from a fans perspective and why they relate to the sport. I could see myself jumping into the conversation, looking forward to future casts. Shout out to random Mr. MR2 guy or random MR2 guy for that one. You know what? He's MR1 after that review, as far as I'm concerned. Mr. Two.
1: As for the rest of you you guys, please feel free to drop a collective deuce in terms of writing two reviews per account. If you can, that would be lovely as well because we need reviews. And it was one of those things that Nick had kind of talked about doing this last year, midsummer, because we were lacking. And now I've realized we're turning into that annoying NPR drive you always hear about this time of year. So if you don't want to hear us, go in NPR telethon mode, write those damn
0: reviews. It's actually a pretty good way to put it. I was I was going to say if you don't want to see our faces, but we haven't really shown our faces. So maybe if you do want to see our faces, you can drop us a review on someplace where you can't and we'll eventually start a YouTube channel. And if we get
1: no, I was just going to say, if we get 500 reviews, we will all commit to doing an all Danny Rick deepfake episode where our faces will be transposed with Danny Rick's faces and our content and our agenda will be exclusively 100% Danny Rick. Because lo and behold, we do have... Five new listeners, and they all are big Danny Rick fans, so we gotta play all the hits when it comes to the jukebox, and Danny Rick seems to be playing for six hours on a loop.
0: Yeah, that'll not, be our, yeah. our marketing strategy for the season is are you missing Danny Rick in the driver's seat? Listen to the exhaust Notes podcast. You can hear three people artificially intelligentized.) <laughs> AI, it's a gift and a curse. Speaking of <laughs> gift and curses,
1: what
2: else do you guys want to talk about in the world
1: of Formula One?
2: Well, there's a, been a few things happened since we last chatted. Um, this does uh, not in any order, but uh, one of the big things I thought was uh, after we had a whole rant on MBS last last podcast. Uh, it's shortly thereafter came out that um Mohammed bin Sulayem is stepping away from the F1 day to day and now those uh responsibilities are falling to I apologize if I'm butchering this but it's Nicholas Tambassis I believe I was
1: going to say Tombatsis because it, it kind of looks like Nazis at the end but then that's not
2: a really a good thing to admit out loud so well I know Italy was part of the axis of evil, but um, uh, he used to be with Ferrari. So make your own associations there. Uh, that was interesting. And after a year, I think he's been in the job for a little over a year. And it's wasn't the smoothest of sailing uh, last season with several controversies. The most recent being that what was it? Um, drivers weren't allowed to have any sort of platform or use their platform in any sort of political or whatever you want to call it. Um, Bring any attention to social justice causes, whatever. Um, that was the most recent one. And shortly thereafter, he announced that he was stepping away. But this had been planned all along, according to him. Um He's still gonna be involved in the high level decision making, uh whatever you want to call it, policy type decisions. But what do you guys think of that? What surprised,
0: happy, glad, sad? I mean, I'm happy about it. I think that it's uh you know, when you when you have somebody that's that hands on as a quote leader of a any company, it's difficult for people to do their job, right? Like you you ultimately hire people to do what they do best and in the case of formula one you're hiring the teams the racing drivers you know i know they're not directly employed by formula one or the fia but like basically you need those people to to be themselves because that's that's what you want them to be we look at this from a very like political perspective right because of the way that the world has been the past four or five years because of how outspoken people like lewis and Seb, but. You know, if you look at it from, from kind of the other side of that, as somebody who works in marketing, you know, imagine trying to silence, imagine if you, if, if this were to be like, okay, for the teams and for the drivers, and for some reason they would be like, oh yeah, we're just not, we're going to go along with this. We're not going to talk about what we want to talk about. That also kind of bleeds into other things in life. You know, like Danny Rick, for instance, is an absolute wild card when he's, on any show or he's interviewed by anybody because he just is kind of all over the place, an entertainer. And if he in the back of his mind is always wondering if MBS is, you know, going to be upset because he said something slightly derogatory towards the sport or towards a particular track or towards whatever it is, it shapes the way he is as a person, you know? And, And ultimately I think you probably would have people kind of moving away from the sport of F1 fairly quickly in my opinion i mean i know the f1 is the pinnacle of motorsports but there's a lot of racing out there that you wouldn't have to deal with this kind of i don't know like a- oppressive is the not is not the right word because this is such a high level thing but it's like you know it's very it's very like nitpicky and like micromanagement compared to what i think leadership in a company should look like and i know that's like maybe a deeper than we needed to go on it but like that's to me, it's like kind of like it's a, it's a relief that they kind of stepped back on this and are like actually all up in arms about it, because I was definitely worried that if people are going to be quiet about things, then it takes away from one of the reasons why I love some of these guys as drivers.
1: No, I mean, I was going to say this point along the fact that Formula One's kind of lost its beating heart with the retirement of Sebastian Vettel. Like, I mean, if you've been any sort of fan of ours for the last year, you know that Seb is very passionate about his causes. So, I thought it was almost interesting that when you were kind of getting those last couple of interviews with Seb, he kept mentioning this fact about, it's just, I can't leave this sport in the way it's currently consisting. And part of me also thinks, is that some sort of implicit metaphor around the MBS leadership? Now, that being said, I hope people feel a little bit more free in terms of what they can speak about, how they can be provocative if it gets changed done in the right way. But then at the same time, we still know that a lot of these guys are so corporately sponsored that even looking at something the right or the wrong way is going to possibly take dollars away from their bottom line. So they were not going to do it. And yeah, it's one of those things that I don't know if we're going to have a morally conscious grid this year. I hope that we do, but it's really looking like Lewis and the boys and it might just be Lewis, Valtteri and... I guess, who who would you guys put in terms of a podium of righteousness and being a good global citizen now with Seb retiring? Because I think it is going to be those two, Lewis and Valtry, but I can't figure out who the third is. And maybe you guys will say something that will click something in my mind and be like, oh, how could I forget about X?
2: I'm not sure that we have a P3 in that scenario. Like, Lando's been outspoken about mental health quite a bit but i think that's because of a partnership that mclaren has with mind um
1: george russell as well i mean like he's been talking a lot recently about mental health and i hate saying this because mental health is very important and it can do a lot of good but it almost becomes a crutch now because anytime people want to say oh yeah i'm I'm clearly a citizen of the world. I understand what everybody's going through. Mental health was a big struggle for me. And it's one of those things that, dare I say, it almost becomes diluted because how frequently it's being brought up. And I don't want to be that guy, but ultimately I have become that guy. And I almost kind of don't take that with the proper respect that it should be taken.
2: Well, it doesn't like have the same ring to it when Seb has like a special liveried helmet for like the tar sands being uh, mined in Canada, right? It doesn't have right. the, like same kind of specialized or direct targeted thing. It's just like, yeah, everybody has mental health struggles for either consistently or from time to time. Like we all go through that as human, uh, human experience, but like, it doesn't, like Lewis has been super outspoken about very specific atrocities in the world and, and climate change and things like that. And putting his literal money where his mouth is in certain aspects of that stuff. But yeah, like. So I would say Lewis Valtteri's done quite a bit on like equality, um, and then I don't know
0: if we have a third. Nick, do you? Yeah, I I can't think of anybody that really I that has stepped into that role yet. But I think even just in the you know last week or whatever two weeks that it's been since that news came out, I saw Alex Albon, you know, making yeah. comments on it. Which props to him. I, I think it's it's tough when you're when you're young, right. You, you haven't, you haven't had that life experience to like really feel, I don't know if it's jaded is the wrong word, but you haven't experienced enough to to really want to fight for those things. You're still trying to figure out where you are as a person and you're more focused, especially these guys, like they're in their, you know, early twenties, some of the best drivers in the world. Like they've been so focused on one thing and one thing only. And that's become, the best racing racing car driver in the world. Right. Like that's, that's it. So you bring those in and you bring in all those other aspects and that's how they become great. Right. Like you can win races, but at the end of the day, people need to know what you did off off the track just as much as they need to know what you did on the track. If, if that wasn't the case, you know, we would know a lot more, a lot more names. We know a handful of names, but we know those names because the fan base got behind them The stories were told the legacy was built around everything they did, not just the wins. And I think that that's an important distinction between, you know, like now and long-term when it comes to any sport, right? Like we, we talk about it, we've talked about it on previous episodes, but we criticize Michael Jordan as, as, you know, diehard sneaker fans. And, uh, you know, I've worked in the industry for 15 plus years now, you know, like I'm very much critical of Michael Jordan's choices when he was younger about like not standing up for things. And it it sucked because I felt like guys like Allen Iverson would speak up about things and, and, you know, be a voice for people that weren't actually having their voice heard. So for me, my real hope in all of this, and I'm, you know, I'm kind of glad that it bubbled up with this, um, you know, kind of, attempt to, to silence some voices, because this will help these guys that are, you know, so young on the grid to kind of see, hey, this is how Lewis handled it. This is how Seb handled it. You know, like even Alonzo has, has spoken up about things on occasion. He's not as, you know, not as on his high horse about it as Lewis and, and Seb are and hasn't like made it as big a part of his, you know, kind of persona, but it's like they have these guys to look up to. And I think that's really interesting and, and being optimistic, I think, you know, guys like Lando are going to be, you know, I was just segue, just looking at some of the stats on the, on the ages of the drivers, right? Because we wanted to share some interesting facts about the sport with you guys on the episodes from now on. And one of the things that I came across was. Was that the uh, average age of a racer, racer of the F1 driver in 1950 was 39 years old? I believe only Alonso is above that age right now. I think Lewis is right around that or close to it. Will be this year, I think. But you know, we're we're in an era where the age is so young. Lando's been in the in a driver's seat for five seasons now, and he is 24 years old, I believe about to be 24 about to be 25 about to be 25 I Mm -hmm. think yeah you know like that's insane and it's like you you haven't really found your voice as a as a human being at that point like it takes a lot of you know like and I, I I just I'm really optimistic to have such young guys because also like you know not to throw salt at my own age group but like Older folks don't care about the planet the way younger folks do, you know, like there's just so many things about like the way the younger generations see the world and haven't fallen into some of the the traps that I think are just inherent, you know, being for us, an American capitalist society where we spend money on things that we absolutely don't need. Wall of sneakers behind Todd or myself or Rowett can kind of show you that, but also... (laughs) Also those things bring you joy and bring you to other people and allow you connect with people. There's a lot of value to it. That's not necessarily tied up in like the actual decision of buying a pair of shoes. Right. When I'm looking at a pair of of Jordans and I'm like, Oh damn, I want that pair of shoes. I'm not really thinking about how many people I'm going to share this pair with and talk about this pair with, but inherently that becomes the reason why I want the shoe. So long story short, the age group of formula one The random fact from me for this episode makes me optimistic about these changes and the fact that there was a few people that spoke up, not necessarily specifically against anything, but just said, hey, we need to talk about this This is a little bit far reaching. Maybe we should roll this back and actually talk about it, because if you if you don't have that clarity, then you're going to have, you know, all these weird rules that I don't know. I don't want to make any Super Bowl comments about that last play, but I'll I'll throw that to you guys. (laughs) It it was pretty – it's
2: kind of been bubbling slowly over the last few weeks since this came out, but most of the drivers have now said, including like the bigger names like Lando – and I don't even think Lewis has really came out publicly against it, but most of the drivers have said like – don't tell us how to be kind of in some form or another but even more surprising is like team principals have gotten it and even doctor evil himself helmet marco in some dutch or austrian newspaper was just like drivers can say whatever the f they want like the, the f1 or the FIA has no business trying to control drivers like that i thought that was really interesting and going back to earlier so one of Rohit's points talking about the bottom line and the F1 um, really embracing, actually embracing what they stand for in all of these, you know, we races one and they have a new UNICEF partnership and all that stuff. And this might be a good segue, but Stefano Domenicali, the president of F1, there was kind of floating around on Twitter today saying that. They would actually start looking at canceling races that don't align with their human human rights values, which I thought one was kind of total BS, but two, surprising for him to even discuss it. That's like because we know like uh, they added that race in Jeddah in in Saudi Arabia, which has pretty horrific um, human rights issues, but uh, lots lots and lots of races. In uh, the Middle East, uh, I mean, well, hell, you could even say that we have our own issues here in America. Um, But that was really interesting to hear him say. Sorry, Ro, I think I cut you off there.
1: No, no, no. You didn't cut me off. In fact, you set me up very perfect in the sense that, okay, you know what? I admire the tact that he's saying that we're going to take races away from places that are deemed to have less than stellar human rights records. My only caveat to that is what are your official human rights stances? Like, what exactly are you measuring? and I'd mean it from a quantitative perspective. I mean it from a qualitative perspective. Give me something because the more you keep that to yourself or you keep that internally and do not bring a visibility to it, the more I would say you are just as bad as the people you are quote unquote banning these races from because it becomes this shadowy figure. And that's the last thing you want because we live in the golden age of transparency. We, and I always use this example, if I buy a shirt from Sebastian Vettel, it may be $75, but Seb does a great job letting me know the pricing breakdown of how that shirt contributes to all the different things that make it up in terms of this is X amount came from this fabric that is source properly. Y amount came from this type of paint. I'm also donating Z amount to this. That's the type of transparency I need from governing bodies, especially ones that have checkered past. Sorry, the bad pun there. When it comes to things like the FIA (laughs) and their moral policing of races, because I would say this, one of our most popular episodes, which is kind of a weird thing to say, was the episode that we did. And I think wasn't a Jetta where there were rocket launches outside of qualifying. That is horrifying. And it is one of those things that, yeah, I'm American by citizenship and I feel like birth. And I have probably the biggest glass house in terms of the country that I live in. But it is one of those things that for all of the things that I can say about this country, I have a certain inalienable right that allows me to say that. FIA is not even acknowledging that. So that's what I want to know is like, what is your grounds? Give me your official corporate stance so then I can make the decree that, yes, it makes sense that you're taking a race away from this particular country. Because I will say this, they took a race away from Russia, but that almost felt like, okay, we're contractually obligated to because everybody else has.
2: I'm just here so I won't get fined. It was yeah, a very hey, march it was on. A good
1: game. Both teams played hard, my man. <laughs> that
2: would be my uh stance if I would be a non-Kansas
1: City Chiefs fan watching that Super Bowl yesterday. But because I am a part of the kingdom and my tribal chief is Patrick Lavon Mahomes, I acknowledge him and I acknowledge our second Super Bowl in four years. Let's go.
2: Sorry. That was my one. That really pained me as a Raider
0: fan. Congrats I'm on the sorry, win, though. So, um I appreciate that. You you spoke about overpriced t-shirts and uh I don't know if I told you guys so now's the time I break the seal so to speak on my expenditure. I did buy one of the Mirakami Lewis Hamilton shirts.
2: Oh, yeah, I almost did. I can't wait to
0: see that. And they were that. incredibly overpriced. The shirt's the shirt's, you know, it's great. It's not like a crazy, you know, I I didn't like open it up and think, "Wow, this is the nicest shirt I've ever had," but I also wasn't I you know, it's like it's nice, but what I loved about it is all the packaging was recyclable everything was listed out on the like like everything about it the, the package that the shirt came in the package that the shirt was delivered in the glues all that stuff was like sustainable and and like talked about in like the you know the sleeve or on the on the outside of it or whatever and to your point row the transparency thing is like my favorite part of life right now it's really difficult for everyone because not everyone is perfect It's kind of like, you know, Lewis making shirts with, with, you know, Takashi Murakami and like one of my favorite artists, you know, like something that I think is really awesome, but that doesn't discount as most people will point out as, as most of the Lewis haters on Twitter will point out that doesn't discount the fact that he's rolling up in a, you know, AMG G wagon that's polluting, polluting like crazy. Right. There's all these nuances to how people are making the world better and not every action any of us take will make the world a better place. In theory, that's great if you could be that way, but I'd rather have transparency and allow people to see all of this, you know, and all the actions that people take to move in the right direction. Than to have the smoke and mirrors that have existed for the previous hundreds of years, because you brought up football, it kind of reminds me of the NFL. You know, like I've probably watched less than three football games since Kaepernick blackballed from, from the league. And it's not that I don't like the sport stepping away from being a fan for a while has made me realize just how dangerous the sport is. Cause I have, you know, nephews and cousins and and people that I care about that, that, you know, look at the sport and it's like, damn, I would hate to see something happen like that we are seeing on a regular basis happen as far as injuries and neck and head injuries and long-term effects. And also just the, the kind of, you know, the underlying racial issues that exist in the NFL, right? Like it's not just Kaepernick, right? Like you've got coaches suing the league, multiple black coaches suing the league. And it's just frustrating because I, I love the sport. I love playing the sport. Like I want to support the 49ers, the local team, like, like that's a part of kind of me growing up. And that makes it difficult when there's such a conflicting message, you know, and and it's obviously more personal to me than it would be to you guys as fans of other teams. But like the Kaepernick thing, just like, was like, Hey, he played against my cousin in high school, you know, like, you know, or my cousin's high school football team. And it's like, you know, growing up in a small town outside of you know stockton basically you don't know too many people that make that journey to the pros and it's like so close to home for me it was like wow i'm a fan of this guy before he became the kind of you know warrior that he's become off the field yep. and yep. it's tough because like i want that for the for the for the drivers in f1 right like they're, you're you're talking about the NFL is small scale compared to the reach of, of formula one drivers. So for me, that transparency is such an awesome way to like, really see what someone's about. And I'm very optimistic. Even people that we are super critical of the helmet Marcos of the world, where it's like, you feel like this guy is just a villain. The, you know, uh, Lawrence, Lawrence strolls of the world. Yeah, exactly. Even, even like, you know, the, I appreciate him as a driver, but the deep down despise that I, that I feel sometimes for max, right? I hope that one day he flips that around on me and I feel like an asshole because this guy turns out to, you know, change the world for for the better off the track. And yep. you don't have that. If the sanctioning body and the, the business of F1 is, you know, pulling strings and You're moving things corrupt. around and yeah. And no, I mean, no, also been... I say that, and have to acknowledge that, like, the entire sport of racing is funded by gray market money, right? Like, it's, it's impossible to not talk about that. So, it, it's kind of like what I was saying. You can take all these steps forward in the right direction. Even me as an individual taking the high road on all these things I'm talking about, I still have to acknowledge that most of the things that I love, this sport and other racing bodies, probably wouldn't exist without people doing shady shit.
1: I mean, not only that, I would love to get Lewis Hamilton's thought if the FIA implemented some sort of Rooney rule in terms of diversity in hiring, whether it be something broad, like each team has to have at least X amount of percentage dedicated to BIPOC or people of a different background, let's say. And I'm trying to make sure I use appropriate language because, hey, even though I am a person of color, I still want to make sure that I remain... in solidarity with the rest of my folk by using the correct language. But then I also wonder, is there any sort of backlash? Because some people within the confines of the United States still think the Rooney rule is incredibly disingenuous because while it does grant opportunities for minority candidates to be interviewed, to be in consideration for an NFL head coaching job, it's still kind of a, empty promise because more often than not, there's a white candidate that tends to get picked. So, it is kind of going through the motions and I know it can be very disingenuous if you're going through an interview and you know that you have no shot in it. So, it's a blessing and a curse in a sense, but I will use this to ham fist my stat of the day, which is the driver that has the most second place podium finishes in in Formula One history, is one Lewis Hamilton. So while he may be second place on the podium in life, he is always first place because he becomes this champion for diversity and inclusion. So
2: that was a buttery smooth segue. It was. No, that it was, was not. It was good. No, it was not. It was good. It was no, I liked good. it.
1: No. Just I felt I were. Yeah, it was forced. Anyway, Toddsworth <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, so kind of going along those lines that we were about how MBS was stepping away and uh, Domenicali is like on the, the the PR news cycle he about a week after the MBS thing came out had an exclusive Sky interview that was like 30 minutes long and he might have mentioned that uh, we're going to actually do what we say our morals are. It might be in that interview. I don't know, but it was like 30 minutes long. I didn't listen to all of it, but I did uh, listen to a a large part of it that it felt like he spent an awkwardly long time talking, like kind of almost clapping back at Andretti talking about how they've been like almost bullying in the media and going about getting their chance at an F1 slot on the grid in the wrong way. And it felt super weird, but I feel like NBS stepping away, who was probably the biggest vocal champion of the Andretti campaign to get into F1, hurt their chances. But then the F1 president now comes out and says like, you don't be a dick when you're trying to be, get into F1 uh, to like to Andretti. And he said, To his credit, he said, I've spoken to him privately and said the exact same things. Um, I I just thought that was super strange and kind of made me like I didn't have a ton of hope for Andretti getting on the grid. I did after the Cadillac announcement, but now I'm kind of back on the other side of the fence saying that we're going to have. 10 teams on the grid for the foreseeable
0: future what do you guys what do you guys think on that so i was just going to say that i I pulled up that article the, the kind of cliff notes of that article It said uh talk of fm f1 welcoming an 11 team ramped up in recent months after andretti partner with general motors sign signaled their intent the american motorsport giant though have ruffled feathers with their approach to gaining entry, accusing teams of greed, and Domenicali said other teams who weren't shouting also held an interest in F1. We are very welcoming of everyone that is bringing value to the racing, Domenicali told Brundle. I think we need to respect everyone. There are teams like Mario and Michael Andretti being very vocal about their will to enter Formula One, but in my view, it is not smart to say that teams are greedy. I think that it's interesting to – to this. this feels like that policing thing, again, to me, because – saying that teams shouldn't be vocal and shouldn't use the media to their advantage and use their kind of voice and reach and all those things that they can do to like build the momentum for a team to be put on the grid seems like the opposite of what you do with, drive to survive with the 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 hot heads of you know
2: it's the exact opposite of what Toto and and Christian Horner do on a daily basis for their teams yeah Yeah. exactly
0: yeah so I I feel like that's pretty uh I don't know kind of kind of two-faced in a lot of ways
1: hypocritical
0: yeah um it does say that I I understand what he's trying to say. Like that quote goes on to say, there are a lot of dimensions to consider. We don't have to overreact because someone is pushing the system. The process will be done seriously in the right way. Someone is shouting and someone is not shouting. I get what he's trying to say, but it's like the showmanship of the sport is what, you know, we've talked about it on previous episodes. You become a fan of a person because of their showmanship. You become a fan of a team because of the way they show out, they you know like they they bring, you know, for better or worse, like the Red Bull fans in that orange smoke, you know, it's like a lot of people become fans of the team because of that stuff, you know it's like, wow, those that team is so dedicated. You see the same thing in football, right? Like real football, not American football. like you know, like you see teams that have no business being successful with their players with massive fan bases everyone's singing in chorus every, every, every game, every match. And that just doesn't happen without the braggadociousness of sport. So to me, that's the, like, I understand he's trying to say like, we're just going to play this, let this play out. And yeah, they probably have an actual, you know, process that they're going to go through and they're going to talk to people. But like, look, if, if, If the whole world is behind Andretti having a team in 12 months because Andretti has marketed it well and has got people excited on social and the the fans are banging down Formula One's door to get Andretti's team going, they'd be stupid to not let him have a team. That's like the end of at the end of the day. Like, that's what it is, right? Like, you've got teams on the grid. I don't know. What do you think the least popular team on the grid is? Williams. Probably, which is crazy to think as a longtime fan, right? It's like,
2: yeah, but in our short-sighted social media
0: world, yeah, nobody remembers Williams being good. It's, it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to imagine a world in which the Andretti team now with, you know, GM as a partner could easily build a fan base for a non-existent team in 12 months that would would, that would be bigger and louder and more passionate than the Williams fan base that exists right now. And if you're, if you're thinking about formula one as a business and you turn away the, the team that has the fans to keep the team, you know, not to say that they would replace one or the other, but like, if you turn away that team that's already showing that they're deserving to be up the grid in terms of energy that they bring and money that they're going to bring to the game, then you're not, you know, like that, just, you're, you're starting to manipulate the situation the same way that you are by saying, Hey, don't, you know, stand for anything with your voices, in my opinion.
1: No, and I just think it's ironic that a sport that's characterized by daredevils and excitement and risk and all those fun things, you are essentially telling us, oh, we're going to play it safe and we're going to trust the process. That seems like the most anti-race thing possible. Like, when has this sport, in terms of its actual execution, said, you know what, let's wait on the bureaucracy because that would be the sensible thing to do. You inherently have to be a little bit off the charts if you want to pursue this sport. So that's the big disconnect to me. I mean, I could also make the argument that once again, oh, yeah, you know, we have to trust the process. Well, be transparent about the process. Let's say Andretti doesn't get it. What exactly did they not get? And be very explicit, because if you are trying to foster a sport of inclusivity, you need to let us know why we're not being inclusive. Because then you at least give us that opportunity to say, oh, yeah, next time I'll get 15 million. So that way my TPS report requirement is met. And there's no
2: questions about that. That's the one thing. That's the one thought I had. If because they've mentioned Andretti himself has mentioned like the two hundred dollar entry fee. Doesn't really make sense because all these other teams are now big, like like high value sports franchises, right? So adding another team to the grid doesn't really make sense to have to like pay your way in to that thing. So if Andretti's taking that angle and saying that oh, all they're being greedy because he doesn't want to pay the $200 million anti-dilution fee, then that's just the wrong angle to take. Calling everybody else greedy because you don't have the monies the rules there the rules been there he knew about it since before he even like publicly said like we're going to try to have an F1 team so if that's the thing and the other teams have mentioned like you know maybe it's more around 600 million or 700 million now if that's what it is that's what it is right if whatever the entry fee is deemed to be they said they're going to revisit that but i do see his point from one side saying like I think a lot of teams are missing the big picture because having a big American team, even if they're a backmarker, having a big American team on the the grid only sustains the massive recent popularity gain that F1 has become. We now have three races and having an F1 team on the grid would only further the popularity of F1 as a whole, bigger ticket sales. They can even gouge more people for more ticket sales and sell them $150 jerseys that are super low quality. Uh, Small tangent, please make merch and sell it. Uh, Sebastian Vettel, I don't care what it is. Just like make your own merch and sell it because I would 100% support that. But going back to the, the Andretti thing. Topic at hand. Yeah, the... If they're just trying to bully their way into F1 by not and not paying the fee, then I 100% understand where Domenicali is coming from. Only they would know because they've had personal conversations. But if it really is just everyone being short-sighted and saying like, I don't want to give up an extra $10 million of prize money per year because they're not thinking
0: about the big picture stuff, then he's absolutely right. Yeah, I, I would also like to just drop in a sub preface to what I said, like I'm coming at this as a fan of sports car racing, as a fan of American open wheel, Andy car cart, et cetera. So everything I said, you should take with a grain of salt as like a, I want Andretti to race in formula one, because to Todd's point, the fan base that you would bring from America would be such a different mix of people. There's a lot of people that are formula one fans in America, There's a lot of people that are racing fans that are not Formula One fans because of the direction it's gone because it's so, you know, it's modernized. People don't like change, right? So they've moved away from it and they've stuck to pick your other racing, you know, body. But to me, Andretti in the name is such a huge part of American sports car racing that I think it would bring so much more energy to all the other sports, all the other forms of racing in the United States that. You know, it would be impossible for it to be a bad thing in any way for racing in America. And that to me is like, it's so awesome to think about, you know, like I think even when we started this podcast, I didn't necessarily think of this podcast as a Formula One specific podcast. And it kind of evolved into that over that first couple of months. Right. Because I watch all sorts of racing. You know, Todd and I watch a lot of different racing, but it's so hard for your average fan to watch to and keep up with all these different racing, you know, formats and bodies and locations. And, you know, like just the rule sets for each are always unique. You know, you don't really understand it until you've spent maybe a season or two watching, you know, sometimes it takes that long to kind of grasp it as someone who's not actively watching racing of all kinds all the time. So for me, the Andretti thing is like, I'm a, I'm a Haas fan. I would love to see Haas do well. Like, you know, obviously, I was super optimistic picking Mick Schumacher on all of my fantasy stuff way too many times last season. But like, I I would I would do the same thing for Andretti because I'd just be like so hopeful that they would make another wave of of fans in America. Because ultimately, like, I I don't see how Formula One stays at this like. 10 teams, you know, 22, 23 races a year with this much interest and this big of a fan base, right? There's so much more money to be made, but also just more opportunity to bring more people into the sport that it seems like you wouldn't want to cut that off in any way, shape, or form.
1: You wouldn't, but Nick, and I'll ask Todd this as well, do you almost feel like Dominicale is almost trying to be a pseudo gatekeeper. And maybe he's realizing that the American influence has already grown leaps and bounds since Drive to survive, because ultimately that's become the tipping point for the American Formula One fan that's new. And is this him trying to regain a bit of the old way of doing things? Because the other thing I would say is for all of its flash, pomp and circumstance, Formula One still feels like an old man's club most of the time.
0: I don't think that it's necessarily gatekeeping I think it's more uh, let's say he's just he's just trying to he's just trying to make sure the chain on the on the gate doesn't break. Right. It's more like you can't let everyone through the gate all at once. And if I I understand, like, you know. He can't allow Andretti to just spout off. And all of a sudden have the whole world, you know, adding F1 on Twitter saying, let Andretti in and let the next guy in and let the next guy in and let the next guy in. Like, it, it's a slippery slope. So I think he's just trying to, like, kind of throttle that and and keep it a little bit, uh, keep it from becoming overwhelming, right? Because it would be easy for that to, to you know, to, to Todd's point, right? It sounds crazy to think that there are probably a dozen people with $200 million waiting to to just hop in Formula One. But I bet you off the record, there's lots of people that if that gate was completely opened, would be like, cool, we'll have a team next season or, you know, we'll have a team in 2025. Right. So Mm -hmm. I, I think it's more, you know, managing the expectation for everyone as opposed to just Andretti. My gut feeling is that Andretti will be in Formula One in the next three, four years. But I think that they've also got to, you know, kind of play the the long game as Formula One and and the FIA because there's a lot of things. There's a lot of a lot of variables for for those two groups and and the way that this could play out. I don't know. What do you think, Todd?
2: I, I think you kind of kind of nailed it there. The, the one thing that I think everyone in in F1 and long established in F1 is scared of is the late 2000s, early 2010s. I think it was actually 2010. Anyway, around that time, there was three new teams put uh, that came on the grid and Marusha, and I can't remember the other two because I'm blanking, but there's three new teams. And within I believe two years, all three of those teams were either gone or changed hands. I think actually Haas yeah. bought the last one of those teams to become to become Haas. As we know it's... Uh, yeah. So uh, I think that that's what they're the most scared of. And he's mentioned it in basically everything so far that they want... And Nick kind of said it too. They have to tick all the boxes. The biggest thing that they're scared of is somebody coming in while F1's hot. And then F1, you know, has a slight dip in popularity and then brands pull out. We know that Honda, sorry, Nick, has been the worst type of ex-girlfriend to F1 because they're here, they're not, they're here, they're not. They, even after the Ford red bull deal was announced mclaren was then linked back to honda supposedly but honda's sat on its laurels so much that now that they're kind of behind the curve for the new engine regs in 2026 so i think that's the heart of where this is coming from
0: but everything else that dick said was spot on yeah i mean i think that's really interesting to think about that aspect of it too because If I remember right, that era of Formula One, 2010-ish, is when BMW and Toyota left as well, right? Well, BMW left in 2004.
2: No, sorry. Toyota left in 2004. BMW left in uh, 2008, I think. I might be mixing up years now, but... It was kind of around that time, you're right, about BMW. Turn I just needed it. to
0: point out that other people withdraw to pulled out besides. You're just Honda. trying to defend so, Honda. Yeah, I was trying to defend Honda. Okay. No, but, um, but like those teams, you know, like that's the, that's also, you know, very important from a fan perspective that people don't realize as fans. Like you have to have a team to want to cheer on, right? It's hard for, uh, you, you know, like if if you look back at like, honda over the years right there's you know british american racing honda there's jordan honda there's mclaren honda mclaren honda Braun. like there's all these like layers of honda slash honda honda drivers i'm air quoting here that people associated with honda that they weren't necessarily you know like we talked about it before right with with red bull uh, five years with, with Seb, right. Red Bull was Honda powered by Honda, infinity, Red Bull, whatever. And it's like, once you start mixing up car manufacturer names with that, people that aren't really dedicated, don't understand it. And it doesn't allow for people to like have a long-term love with the sport. It's something that I, I have a love hate relationship with, with all other sports, because we've gone from, you know, uh, you know, like my grandparents, my dad watched Willie Mays play for the giants for 20 some years. I can only point to less than five players that played for the team for 10 years. Now, you know, I use this example on the sneaker history podcast, but like my nephew cried when DeMarcus cousins got traded from the Kings because that was his player for those three, four years that he was here in Sacramento or that, that he was in Sacramento and to, for young fans and new fans to sport to a sport you don't get the opportunity to to ride with your person with with your guy or with your woman or your team without those faces right a faceless team is nothing for a fan right unless it's a brand like Honda or something that people are like yeah i you know like i've got a rav4 in the driveway i'm gonna be a toyota fan and it's like well yeah, well you got to pick hey, the right sport then yeah
1: I was going to ask you guys this as well, because I do think that the modern sports fan is a person that is a fan of other people and not necessarily institutions or teams. So to your point, your nephew and DeMarcus Cousins, my initial perception of drive to survive was, hey, I'm not going to be a fan of a team because they're not really doing as good of a job highlighting the team as they are the players or as they are the drivers. So That's why initially I gravitated towards Danny Rick, like most of us. That's why I am an Esta Bandit. That's why I like the like of Carlos Sainz, because it is one of those things where you latch on to these personality quirks or idiosyncrasies and you think, hey, that reminds me of either myself right now or somebody I would like to be in the future. And has it always been that way in terms of Formula One fandom where you see people gravitate more towards drivers or is it like traditional sports people gravitating towards a team and then yeah i may have a driver on a different team that i support as like my second driver
0: i think it's kind of a mix but i think the biggest and best and loudest and most passionate fan bases have stuck with the teams that have been around the longest right ferrari has the biggest fan base because they've been 100 percent committed to formula one longer than anyone Mercedes has been right there for most of that ride, but it's changed a little bit in the last, you know, in, in the Lewis era, the team has changed slightly. Right. When it was like McLaren Mercedes or, or whatever. So there there's like that weird gray area of like, well, I'm a fan and I'm going to ride with the team. But like, now you have, you know, 15 years, 16 years of, of Red Bull. So like people don't even think about like the, the infinity Honda thing that I mentioned, they think Red Bull and they're a fan of Red Bull racing, you know? And like, that's a beautiful thing. You can't even say that for the secondary team, right? Changing the name from Toro Rosso to AlphaTauri, Tori, like that throws people off, you know, like people don't know that. Like we, we, you know, I, I think about it because we've talked about it where we've mentioned uh, Renault and Sauber. Right. And like, to the fan that just came in to start watching in the last two years, they have no idea what we're talking about because that team doesn't even exist to them. But that team exists to people that have watched, but it's hard to, it's hard to like, you know, keep up with all those things because that stuff does change quite a bit for the teams that are on the bottom half of the grid. And I think that kind of leads us into like some of the other stuff we want to talk about, like the color schemes of the teams, right? For the longest, for the, for the last two, three, four, four seasons the the color schemes and the have been very, very similar for the teams with the exception of a couple of them. We've seen a lot of consistency and that branding. It's, somebody has to be saying, Oh, the new fans are not paying attention the same way that maybe these like legacy diehard racer guys are. Cause like, if you're into racing like hardcore, you don't even think about the color of, of the car, you know, like, yeah, of course you like some things and you don't like some things, but like, you're a diehard fan of Renault because you're a diehard fan of Renault or you're a diehard fan of Ferrari because you're a diehard fan of Ferrari. The shade of red doesn't, doesn't matter to you. The person that's behind the, you know, like all those things are like secondary. But if you're new to the sport, you need those things as identifiers for who to follow and how to watch and how to become bigger fan of the sport and bigger fan of the drivers and bigger fans of the personalities, you know, on the grid. So to me, I think that that it's a tough one to answer, but I think that the the teams that have the most consistency, you know, ultimately you kind of come back to that same kind of thing. Like the moment somebody goes away from, you know, Aston Martin's, you know, green, right. The the moment somebody, they go away from that green, it's going to be hard to like, for, for a lot of fans that are casual fans to keep up with who that team is. Cause as we were talking about pre-race, It's not like you're like actually getting a look at like these cars as they're running around the track and seeing what number is on the car, what, you know, sponsors are on the car or any of that stuff. Right. Like it's a very general like, hey, I just need to be able to identify this at a glance because it's going to be fast. And the the editing of the of the, you know, of the show is going to be so quick that like you're not seeing like long focus shots on a lot of the cars anyway. That's kind of into my rant.
1: Listen, we were calling the ISO, like we, we called box, box, box. We put the tires on and now we're just waiting for you to kickstart that in the race.
2: So. <laughs> that, that was great. Uh, going back to your uh, initial question, I myself have always gravitated towards drivers, like very young age, Senna, obviously, um, when I started to get more into Formula One, massive, uh, like and fan uh, and then when I like finally fully, fully committed and stopped being a side chick, Danny Rick was my guy. So it was weird because I was like a fan of McLaren from way back when I was a kid. But like Danny Rick was started in, in the Red Bull Academy and worked his way through there. So him coming to the team was like a match made in heaven for me being a McLaren fan. And now I think... In the last few years, I've become such a fan of the sport that I like enjoy all of the teams and all the drivers for different aspects. So th- that's not like the typical. I would say the typical is, especially now, and like the younger generation, for better and a lot of worse, people are diehard driver fans. Like if you look at Team LH on Twitter and like the Max Verstappen diehards like they're the two loudest groups on Twitter that just butt heads all day. So I think it's probably now more of a driver focused thing. Um but for people that the longer they watch it'll probably turn into a a team thing, right? Like in 2030 or whatever when Max decides to retire eight-time world champion. Hopefully not. Um they'll probably end up being lifelong Red Bull fans, regardless of who's driving for them. Right. But we're sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, bro.
1: No, no, not at all. I was just going to say the more things change, the more they remain the same. So it'll be interesting now that we've solicited the reviews. Tell us how you got into the sport. Are you a driver first to a team or a team first to a driver? Because ultimately we're all still trying to navigate the various degrees of our fandom. So I just thought it was an interesting topic because as we kind of got into the Dominicale conversation of who is allowed to have a team and who's not, ultimately to me, it comes down to the fact that if we get an American team, the amount of American interest should double because people love cheering on the Stars and Stripes. Hell, I mean, we almost did it when Haas was Hosky that one year. when They were <sighs> Team Russia under a uh, red mist or red gaze, but who knows? That was
2: just my point. Hosky, <laughs> Oh, uh, I like it. Um, should we quickly run through the launches? Like we, we went way Let's longer than I thought we were going to on the other topics, um, but we did have quite a few launches. So first things first, the Haas launch MoneyGram F1 or MoneyGram Haas F1 racing team, whatever the hell it is now. Um
0: that's a pretty good looking car. That was uh kind of surprising. I was I was shout out to Palm Angels, technically a part of my work family umbrella of companies under the portfolio, under the portfolio, under the portfolio, under the portfolio, under the umbrella, under the umbrella. Something about Rihanna Super Bowl. I'm somehow connected to Palm Angels all
2: right i i want more streetwear brands sponsoring f1 cars i want a big absolutely supreme ferrari car give me it how don't s- you
1: put that evil in ferrari how don't sick you would that, that be i want no, it may, uh, it would be sick as much as i try not to hype into
0: the hype these, they're making helicopters now start making f1 car yeah <laughs> I'm a fan of this livery though. Like the, uh, I'm actually really glad that the Haas car was unveiled first.
1: Yes. Because no, I-
0: as you, as you said, pre-show black is the new black in formula one and Haas is there first. Haas is there first
1: black is not whack when Haas does it first, but when Alpha Romeo does it and even like the red bull Navy blue is looking blackish. And even the beloved Papaya doesn't seem to have much of Papaya. It's just like, did we did we miss a memo as fans? Like, were we supposed to do a 15-minute breaking news episode in the offseason? Be like, the FIA has decreed that MBS's last call is all cars must have 65% black in the livery. Now, that being said, we have a couple of the big heavy hitters in the next couple of days. I think we've got Ferrari tomorrow on Valentine's Day, which apropos, given the fact that Ferrari is the color of passion, the color of red. Followed by Mercedes and then my team baguette. I'm really hoping that they have like a tasteful golden brown for their color livery this year.
2: Bring back the pink car. Slightly
0: toasted. Slightly <laughs> toasted. Come on. That subway toast. I mean, I I, I love the pink cars, though. That, that was the like one of my favorite stink. eras.
2: <laughs> that. The I know that they, they lost the BWT sponsorship, but the one-off car that they did, I think they tested it in preseason and then they did it in one one or two races, maybe. That was the best livery they had, for sure. Moving on, and here's how, where I hammer in my fact of the day. Red Bull, what do you guys think of a new Red Bull? I
0: think it it's looks just, like a Red Bull.
1: It looks like a Red Bull. And then the funniest thing is Christian Horner saying, oh, yeah. It might not look like this anyway. And we've always kind of talked about that when it comes to liveries. This is essentially every Formula One team trying to win the preseason uh, press conference. And at this point, I'm not dealing anybody a winner except for Haas because they were the first ones to show up in a tasteful black livery. So where are you
2: leading us down, though, Toddsworth, with your uh, stat of the day? So, Quick note on just the livery itself. I hadn't ever thought about this before, but I like the consistency. Now I was listening to another podcast or YouTube video or something, and I actually do like, how dare you the, Hey, spread the love. Uh, I I like the fact that they're so consistent with their livery. Nothing will ever beat the one-off Japanese white livery that Red Bull did. That's probably one of the best liveries ever made. Um, but the one thing that's, Annoying to me is that the Red Bull stuff is keeps getting smaller and smaller the more that they get branding. It feels like the Red Bull on the side of the car is now even smaller than it was before. Now we have the giant Oracle down the side of the car. But they announced during this that they had a partnership with uh, Ford. And Ford is not new to Formula One. In fact, no, sir. F1 fact of the day, Ford has the single most successful F1 engine of all time. And I have some stats to back that up.
1: Back it up, Todd. Back it up.
2: They have 155 Grand Prix wins with that one engine. What? 155. Really? The Ford DFV, which is dual four valve. That's what it stands for uh thank you and this is i learned this just a couple weeks ago uh during the launch that they have the single most successful f1 (laughs) engine of all time and ford as a company has where was that stat apologies okay there it is 174 total grand prix victory grand prix victories 13 world drivers championships and 10 constructors world championships under the Ford Cosworth wow. banner which was kind of mind blowing cuz you don't and like obviously we know Ford's been if you're a fan of the sport or mega nerd like me you know Ford's been there before but I didn't realize that they were that successful
0: yeah that's pretty amazing i would never like that is definitely a jeopardy question i would have lost everything on a double, daily double on <laughs> what would you have- Nick, so
1: if you don't mind me asking, what would you have guessed if that question was posed to you on Formula One Jeopardy? If not Ford, would you have said Honda or is there another one like Renault?
0: I mean, I guess it, de- it depends on how it was proposed Worded. because when you think about engines like that Ford Cosworth arrow is is probably <laughs> up there but it just wouldn't be a top, you know, you just don't associate Ford with Formula One the way you do with you know, other forms of racing. Um, you would ultimately think Ferrari, so that,
2: right? Like,
0: yeah, ultimately you're going to think Ferrari, but then you think about Ferrari, they change their engine pretty regularly too. So they probably didn't even run like a like that Ford era was the same for a little while, right? Like it definitely was in this. I think
2: it was like 76, between 72 and 76, something like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, but
0: you would still assume Ferrari was there.
2: But in all forms of motorsport, Ford Cosworth from, like, the 70s to the 80s, even into the 90s, that was, like, the thing.
0: That's why everybody knows what oh, absolutely. Cosworth
2: yeah. is, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. Anyway, fun fact.
0: Yeah, so I guess short answer, probably Ferrari. You'd, you'd eventually find your way back to Ferrari, no matter how much you analyze that in your head without looking at stuff. Well,
2: you just said, made the do- daily double joke, like if you were going to take like a slightly educated guess about it, Oh, let's pick the team that's been there all 60, 70 years of formula one. Right.
0: Yeah. Cause it, like I'm, I'm starting to like really analyze it the way I would think about it. You wouldn't think of, I would think, okay, it's Ferrari first, maybe Mercedes. And then I started to think about Mercedes and well, Mercedes it has, has had gap. different, had a big gap. They've had different engine suppliers. It hasn't been a consistency thing. They've had partners with different, you know manufacturers anyway, so I would ultimately find my way back to Ferrari again if I was betting on that, so yeah, it's a really interesting fact like i i'm uh I'm gonna probably nerd out on some Ford Cosworth Wikipedia after we're <laughs> done recording. I'll send you the link. There's a lot of stats in there
2: uh moving on, Williams dropped. I'm just gonna go. On a limb right here that no one will agree mm -hmm. with. This is the best livery so far this year. I'll agree
1: with it just because of the fact that it's a distinct livery. Like, it's... It showed me enough variation to let me know that, yes, this is still in the Williams family tree of cars, but it was bold enough not to include predominantly black. So, you know what? Right now, it's Haas 1, Williams 2, and I will eat a hat, if there's any races that end up with that podium. <laughs> Will you eat
2: a Williams hat?
1: Yeah, why not?
0: Nick, what's your thoughts on uh, the Williams livery? Uh, so I think it's definitely one of the best. I don't know if it's the best, but I I really like it. I I, I hope that the I hope that the livery brings the level of performance from the car up. Because I th- I feel like they leveled up from last year's livery too. It's it's like hey, it's, evolution
2: of last year's livery. They still have like the same angular like diamond shape overlapping pattern on the, the rear of the side pods. Uh, which I liked last year. It was just kind of missing something. But like the different shades of blue they used. And most importantly... The use of the airbox is absolutely genius with the Duracell sponsorship. That is hands down the coolest sponsor logo, placement, everything of the grid this year.
0: Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Also, they have a golf sponsorship, which is nice. Well, McLaren lost golf, and now it's just livery,
2: which I'm sure there was a lot. It's a lot cheaper to sponsor the 10th place car than the 5th place car. Yeah.
1: Uh, Always is. No, it's just... Yep, no, nope, no, nope.
2: sorry, bro. No, I've got nothing to say. Okay. Cut this part. Moving too. on Uh, to me, and this will probably be an unpopular opinion as well, I think the Alfa Romeo and its tire-shredding sideboards, Uh, that's the second-best livery that's been dropped. And it even took the... It saw that the American Team Haas said, oh, we're going to go all black, raw carbon, and said, hold my beer, hold my beer, we're going to do it even better. It actually made me a little bit sad that Alfa Romeo is not going to be the title sponsor after this year, because that one is damn near perfection. That's an angry looking car.
1: I I mean, the thing is, last year's Alfa Romeo, to me, was memorable in a good way because didn't they have the Digi Camo? Mm. So, silently, Alfa... For testing. They yeah. have, right? So, thanks for, for testing. Oh, they didn't... For some reason, I thought they may have ran a race with it as well. But I like Alfa Romeo. It's just, it felt a little too similar to Haas. And I, like most popular racing thoughts, whoever gets there first gets my respect. And I live my life a quarter mile at a time, and clearly Haas does as well, so... Haas, if you guys were second and Alfa Romeo came in first with that livery, I would think Alfa Romeo killed it and you just copied their homework. But alas, it wasn't meant to be.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think. I still like the Haas better, but I do. I do really like this livery. Uh, One question about this livery. They have like Singa Beer as one of the sponsors on the nose, right? Mm-hmm. isn't that isn't singa a beer mm-hmm. how, how, how does that work I thought alcohol <laughs> sponsors and tobacco sponsors were not allowed so they don't
2: run it it's the non-alcoholic they network. don't run it at the races that they're not allowed to but they've had singa as a partner for I want to say the last like three or four seasons maybe even longer than that oh wow Um, but like all the teams do right they have uh, Estrella for Ferrari Peroni for uh, Aston Martin, they all have alcohol sponsors. Tobacco has been pretty much outlawed unless you're Ferrari and you do the Mission Win Now thing, whatever. But alcohol has been... <laughs> How is that Mission Win? <laughs> well, it's back. But we'll talk about that uh, probably on the next so, show.
0: So when we, when we actually actually launch our Formula One team, our sponsor is going to be something along the lines of like just go drink a Budweiser beer corporation.com. That way we're not sponsored by Budweiser beer. We're sponsored by just go drink a Budweiser beer corporation. Which uh, donates money to like fighting
2: alcoholism.
0: Right. And, and gives away driving. free beer. Of course. Yes.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yep.
1: No, I just thought the legal loop the whole was the fact that they're promoting beers that have non-alcoholic versions of their beer. And that's what they're doing. That could be true. Like, I feel like that's the lawyering that Formula One is capable of. And to be quite uh, frank, I'm, if it's not that, you're welcome, Formula One, because I gave you a billion dollar loophole, you clowns. Well, Heineken,
2: right? Yeah. I mean, they, I, they do it all over the tracks yeah, Heineken exactly. Zero Zero. I know that uh, Peroni for the Aston Martin, they market their 0% beer. The uh, Estrella for Ferrari, I think, also might. Bark it through 0% beer. I'm not totally sure on that one, but that could be it.
0: We need, we need crown Royal to come in as a sponsor and their argument to not sponsor to not being an, an alcohol company is that they're offended that you would call their consumers, alcoholics.
1: I'm going to go the opposite route. Give me Zima. Oh yeah. Bring back Zima. (laughs) We got a surge renaissance. Why not Zima? And I was eight when Zima came out. I just remember that dude melting in their commercial.
2: Sound like a good this time. another I may take up drinking if Zima <laughs> comes back. This is another tangent, but I used to drink Zimas in high school because that was, like, cool. And then you would put, like, gummy worms or gummy bears, like the sour gummy worms or gummy bears, and it would, like, melt into yep. the drink. You know what I'm talking about, Nick? Yeah. That's a – yeah. Shout out to OBU for that one. That's a, definitely an old – old dude thing.
1: Welcome to Generation X Exhaust Notes, where I, as a local millennial, just am regaled by these tales of yore from my two co-hosts.
2: Uh, going back <laughs> to the livery, um, there was a little bit of drama with uh, Alfa Romeo because Steak is now their title sponsor. And Steak is a, 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 a apparently like a Twitch Competitor or something, but their online streaming, there's been some controversy about it because it's supposed to be like uh, giving a better pay share to the content creators that stream on their platform. However, most of their streamers or the people that are getting uplifted in their algorithms or whatever are all online gambler streaming, like online gambling streaming. And they also have some ownership in some other casino or online gambling websites. So it feels very typical F1 with some controversy on the sponsorship and it being money coming from terrible sources, as Nick mentioned earlier.
1: Uh, No joke. When you said steak, I'm like, is this similar to a got beef situation where it's just meat? No, S-T-A-K-E, not Yeah, like the gambling sense, because that's the other thing. I'm really wondering if there are any sort of rules that are preventing gambling agencies to be title sponsors of a Formula One team. And the other 800 pound gorilla in the room is crypto, because right now (laughs) I'm starting to see a lot of global football teams lose their crypto sponsorship, even though just one year ago it was all the rage to get these companies, and I put that term as loosely as possible, as your chief sponsor because of the sheer endless amount of money that they had.
0: I mean, also, Twitch is owned by Amazon, which is AWS, which is such a huge partner, right, for some of that data that we were talking about pre-show.
2: Next Gen Stats! That's AWS Insights. Yeah, I mean, it's all shady money. Yay, capitalism. Uh, moving on to... What is, to me, the worst livery I think I've ever seen, the Alpha ATL 4. Really? Really? You, you want to go that high? It was fine. I can't remember. Are you? Mm-hmm. I can't remember. No, ask your question because I'll.
1: No, I was just going to say, are you basing this hot take? Because here I thought we were going to go a whole episode without a hot take. But you know what? Todd Yates understood the assignment. And he knows that we're only as good as our last hot take. Are you saying this because of the fact that Alpha AlphaTauri is a fashion brand first and a Formula One team second and you've just held them to a higher standard and they didn't live up to that standard? Or is it just something about the color blocking and the color scheme that doesn't agree
2: with you? Uh, maybe both. Uh, their, their launch was amazing. It was like 30 seconds long. It was like, hey, we do fashion. Here's our drivers. Here's our car. All right. Peace. Like that's that was like the whole launch. It was hilarious. Um, it's weird because like they made the, the AlphaTauri, well, the, the Red Bull logo bigger on the side of the car, which I really like. And that Navy and white color scheme, I also really like, but the color blocking, as you mentioned from the Orland sponsorship on the rear wing and like the sideboards, uh, the, the entry to the Venturi tunnels and the Flexbox sponsorship on the front wing or the sides of the front wing is so disjointed and jarring compared to the rest of the car that it makes me hate the whole car
0: I think that's fair I, I just, yeah, you know I, I just am surprised that I haven't seen AlphaTori gear, you know at Old Navy or wherever it's sold at I don't know <laughs> Have, you, Seems like have a, you ever looked it up? It's so fucking expensive. Yeah, I know. I mean, no wonder they can race Formula One cars, right? The prices are crazy.
2: It's still weird to me that Red Bull tried to have its own fashion brand in the first place. And then like, sir, not tried is succeeding. Because I've yet to see that Alfa has to
1: declare bankruptcy. Like, how many years has it been? That's now? because
2: everybody's just buying endless amounts of energy drinks and they're funding this cocaine rage fueled uh, fashion, fashion brand with it. Because I've never seen anyone personally other than the drivers. And uh, what's the – Will Buxton? Will Buxton. I've never seen any anyone but the drivers and Will Buxton because they give him free clothes. Where? AlphaTauri.
1: You know what? We are going to hopefully get a pretty big guest in uh, the next couple of weeks. Add that to the question pool for said mystery guest for us. Has he owned or does he know of anybody that has willingly bought a piece of Alpha Tori merchandise?
0: I think we also need to just ask Will Buxton if he's actually purchased any Tori merchandise. Because he is the only person outside of the drivers that I've seen wearing it. Yeah.
2: And they like even like crowbarred in comments on his dress in one of the F1 TV like wrap, wrap up shows or pre race shows. They were talking about what he was wearing. And he was just like, oh, yeah, it's Alpha Tori. Like, oh, that, that didn't get forced in there at all. I was
1: going to say, do you think Yuki, Yuki is the face of their kids' range?
2: <laughs> Jesus. I maybe. Oh, man. Poor little Yuki. Listen,
1: um, it's one of those things there sneakerheads know that if you can fit into kid sizes, do you? Because it's a lot cheaper. You're more likely to hit on those particular shoes. If you get them in the kid size, maybe that's what Yuki's employing.
2: It could be. I have bought could my be. wife kids shoes hey. before, so that's actually a really good idea.
1: Yeah, they hey. got the better colorways, too.
0: A lot of times, yeah. Hey, speaking of kids, though, the biggest missed (laughs) opportunity from all of the cars that have been unveiled so far. Why is the McLaren car not called the Simon Says MCL60? (laughs) Those wheel covers? (laughs) Isn't that Simon Says? Isn't that the... The Simon? The, yeah, the button yeah, thing?
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, I, absolutely. It literally is that on the wheel? Covers. You know what,
2: fun fact, it's not. And they wanted to uh, make sure you knew it wasn't so bad. They put a hideous Chrome logo on the t- top of the sideboards. <laughs> a very badly placed Chrome logo. So moving on to the next launch, we're wrapping it up here. Because McLaren dropped today, actually. I'll, I'll let you guys go first. What do you think?
1: No, it's just it needs more papaya. But going back to it, you know what I need to see whenever I'm watching a car? I want to see the same image I see when my computer's frozen because it's overwhelmed by my Google search history. So that way, if that thing keeps spinning, maybe that's a metaphor for where McLaren's going to be this year, where they're not going to be in that six to eighth range.
2: Oh, I can't wait till our hot yeah, takes I- episode.
1: <laughs> oh, I can't wait either. This is here's the thing. Much like fantasy football, the best part is the draft and everything else sucks after that. That's how I feel about our hot takes episode. Could be. I'm getting all the shots off that day. I'm going for 81.
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't I don't. I don't hate everything about it. There are like some positive things that I like about it, but like. I don't know. I'm not a fan of I'm not really a fan of anything on it either so I know that makes no sense but as I look at it I'm like uh, I'm not really a DeWalt fan I'm more of a Makita guy I'm not a Jack Daniels guy I'm more of a Crown Royal guy CNBC nah Dell come on Chrome what can't even get behind the sponsors
1: I just stopped listening when you refer to yourself as a cutie because I agree <laughs>
2: A what? <laughs> Is that what you heard? I'm pretty sure he was talking about Makita. In the episode. End the episode, no, We, can't. You mad we can't. We can't. I have to get my, we got one more my car. rage out about this McLaren. Uh, I 100% agree with you, Rohit. It needs more papaya. The whole damn car should be orange with hits of blue on it, not black. They need to make an F1 regulation that the entire car must be painted, even if it's black. That needs to happen. These, like, mostly black cars with little splashes of color. Wait until we get the McLaren next to the the Alfa Romeo next to the Haas this year when they're racing 200 miles an hour. It's going to be like, wait, oh, is that? uh, uh," Now we're just going to be guessing based on driver's helmet colors. If If you're a colorblind F1
1: fan, what are you going to do? Because we mentioned this point in our pre-show meeting You have to memorize numbers. And it's very hard to memorize numbers when it's coming at you
0: 200 miles per hour around a hairpin. And they're six inches big. No, good luck to you. Yeah. I mean, I am slightly slightly colorblind, but thankfully it's on the dark end of the spectrum. So like, I didn't actually realize there was the difference between the black and the Navy on the Red Bull car until you guys said something about it. But like, I agree with Todd. I agree with Todd that there needs to be more orange. I don't know about the full car regulation thing. Cause I do like seeing the carbon fiber, the carbon fiber on that alpha car is absolutely bananas looking as a part of the, the livery. Or at least a,
2: like a certain percentage of the
0: car has to be painted or something,
2: but that's not just why this car sucks. Yeah. This car has 40 million sponsor logos all, all over it. Even worse than like the red bull and everything. Zach Brown is a busy man getting that team funded. I appreciate his efforts. But holy shit! There's like forty little logos all over, just across the top of the the this side pods. Not the side pods. Uh, oh my God, what's the term for that? Oh Whatever, across the top of the side of the car. There's like ten more logos, just in all the little gaps that it could fit sponsor logos. The team's obviously well funded, or they're just laundering the money somewhere. Uh, but that it's better than last year. I like it overall better than last year. And I actually, for one, like the Simon says, uh,
0: whatever wheel covers, I think those look cool for some reason, but the car overall. Sucks. Oh, I like them. Yeah. I, w- I wasn't trying to make fun of them. I like, I like the wheels. Oh, a I lot, thought you were actually. being sarcastic. I think that's super dope. No, I just mean like it's a missed opportunity was, because it looks like a Simon says, right? Like, uh, First of all, Simon says, Nobody cares. make it
1: bop it. If you want to get this young millennial <laughs> in on Team Papaya, make it a bop it. Theme.
2: Twist it. Pull it. Bop it. Skip it. Skip I think it. My,
0: my, the, my favorite, uh, We we just to touch on the my favorite workaround of the alcohol sponsors, is kind of GoPuff, right? I know they have Jack Daniels on there, but GoPuff is literally like alcohol delivery. It's like, hey... It's not an alcohol. It's hey, they don't make alcoholic drinks. They just bring them to your door. Didn't bro. that actually
2: start like, as a good. weed
0: delivery company? And yeah, weed too. Yeah, yeah. yep. When yep. are we gonna see? Like,
2: this is a total tangent, but do you think in our lifetimes we're gonna see weed legalized in the U.S.? Oh yeah, and then it becomes oh, oh, a yeah. sponsorship for the car
0: because
2: that's huge oh, yeah. money cookies. right now.
0: Cookies, cookies will be a sponsor on a Formula One car before. Yeah, or Stizzy or something like that will be a, a spot. I would 100% buy yeah. cookies merch.
2: like Because I think their clothes are kind of cool anyway. Not that I'm yeah. a smoker myself, but.
1: no, I was going to say, where'd you learn that, Cheech? Drug school? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: cookies. Somehow. Back in my day, it was a food only.
0: <laughs> oh. I think we're like three years from. From. That being a, a potential sponsor. That be so cool. I don't know why I, I am so excited about that, but like a
2: weed sponsorship on a race car would be amazing. I know we have a lot of it already with the CBD stuff in like Rally Car and or Rally Cross, whatever, but.
0: Unfortunately, three years from now, cookies will be owned by Philip Morris, so it'll be basically just cigarettes. Again, all over again. And then, then people will be up in arms and we'll go back to no sponsors five years well, later. Well, we have,
2: we don't have that launch, but Mission Wind Now is back for Ferrari. We'll talk about that after that car. Last but not least, the Mean Green Super Villain Machine, uh, Aston Martin dropped today, which basically the same livery. It's kind of grown on me. I didn't like it. The first two years that Aston Martin did a livery, but I think the car looks pretty good. And the shade of green they used, at least in the render so far, is better. It's very, it's like, gives me more of that British racing green feel, which is what it should be.
1: Yep. And when you have a Canadian and a Spanish driver, it really just chef's kiss because. (laughs) I think this is the perfect super, vi- uh, super villain vehicle for Fernando Alonso. I think this is the year where he fully breaks bad and just says, I've won every race and here's my findings and everything else is fake news. Because I'm ready for Fernando to tell us that he's the first driver to win every single race and earn the maximum whatever number of points he can earn. Complete the heel turn, Fernando. Complete it.
0: And with the Crypto.com sponsorship, anything is possible.
1: Anything is possible.
0: I th- I think this car is beautiful. I love that color. Uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, they could have gone with more of that color and left some of the the carbon and the black off even. Just go full full send with it.
2: Yep. And if our listeners didn't watch any of the launches and don't really have time to, I implore you to just watch the Aston Martin launch because the supervillain himself, Lawrence Stroll. It was amazing. He talked for a really long time. I even tweeted about this earlier today, but I wish I knew how to make gifts because he got done with his interview and then walked off stage and walked past the camera and gives, gave such a supervillain glare. Like I'll kill you if you don't like this car. It was amazing. So please, please go watch that launch just for that part. It's, was the best thing I saw all day. And if you're GIF inclined, please send that to Todd. Please make that GIF of him walking past the camera and glaring. Because it's. Where can they find you, Todd? They can find me on Instagram at (laughs) dadshue.jpeg and Twitter at unfortunately still tezf1. I need to change that. I just haven't yet.
1: You can find me on OnlyFans at Curry in a Hurry because that's my new race theme. No, it's not. I was trying to get a spit take from Todd because he took a big sp- <laughs> Actually, you can follow me on Twitter at Rohezy, on Instagram at RowanM13. It is 11 o'clock. Sorry, listener. We've got a little bit. Uh, I legit I almost spit up my crazy.
2: drink.
1: <laughs> that was amazing. That was amazing. No, I was going to say, if (laughs) the listeners have stayed with us for 90 minutes, let's give them something to end on a positive note with. And that something is Nick Engvall's uh, credentials. Nick, where can they find you?
0: (laughs) Uh, You can find me at Nick Engvall. More importantly, follow Exhaust Notes FM everywhere. ExhaustNotes.fm if you want (laughs) to see, rather listen to all the previous episodes. More importantly, hey, we hit you off with uh, three random facts that you're going to remember from this episode if you have any for us drop them in a review leave us a comment on twitter or instagram exhaust notes fm but most importantly thanks for tuning in especially if you made it this far we love you we'll catch you on the next episode peace